Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. Father in heaven, we come before you now. God, we thank you for just who you are. Thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you, God, that you are merciful and gracious towards us. Thank you, God, that you desire to speak to us today through your word. Father, I pray for each of us here, God, that you would, God, you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would be saying to each of us today. Lord, uh, fill us with your spirit. God, give us understanding as we read through scripture, as we look over it, as we study it. God, we believe that it's living, that it's powerful. That God, in this book, you reveal yourself, you reveal your will, you show us how to live, what to do, what not to do. And so, God, I pray for each person here, you know who we are, you know where we stand before you, you know what our needs are. And so, God, we pray as your word goes forth, that you would meet us where we are, speak to us those things that we need to hear and receive from you today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you guys will open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. Uh, We're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter 13, and um, I don't always title messages, but uh, the the theme or the thing that we'll be looking at here is the difference between self-will and God's will. Um, Something everybody in this room does every single day, we make choices. You made a choice to be here today. You guys made a choice about what you were going to put on this morning. Some of y'all spent more time on that than others, Uh, but we make decisions. We make choices every day. And, you know, there, there, there are small choices, little things, you know, color earrings you're going to wear or not or whatever. But then there are choices that can really have an impact on your life. And so as people who have responded to the gospel, as, as people that have understood that Jesus is God, that Jesus in his love for you and me died in your place, that he took your sins and my sins upon himself, and he, he died in our place and has extended to us the opportunity for eternal life. People that understand that and say that, that, that I surrender my life to Christ, then Jesus is the Lord of my life. There's a way that we're supposed to make decisions that's different from the way that people that don't know him in that way make decisions. Um, when I didn't know the Lord, how did I make decisions? I just did what seemed best to me. Um, I made decisions that this looks like it'll work out to, in my best interest, um, this, you know, I just, I used my, put on my best thinking and I made choices and decisions. And so in Genesis chapter 13, we're going to see two people, both believers, but very different in how they make decisions and the impact on their lives was significantly different as well. And so look with me at Genesis chapter 13, starting at verse one. This is the story of Lot and Abram where they're going to be separated. And um, it says in verse one, then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And so this is what we have, you guys. God had told Abram, who becomes Abraham, I want you to get out from your country and from your people to a land that I will show you. And so Abraham left, but he took his nephew Lot with him. Should he have taken Lot with him? I don't think he should have. But he did. He got a little nephew Lot. Maybe he felt like, I'm, I'm looking out for him. I'm taking care of him. But he brought his nephew Lot with him. And so in chapter 13, um, he's there. He's, he had just had a little mishap in Egypt. 
Now he's getting back on track, going where he's supposed to go, and his nephew Lot is with him. It says he was very rich in livestock. In our culture today, if you're rich, um, you might measure it by your bank account. Um, We might measure it by looking at where you live. Um, We might look at what you drive and determine that person's wealthy or not. In this culture right here, you determine somebody's wealth from their livestock, their animals. So if I wanted to demonstrate my wealth to you, I would say, man, look at all my, look at all my cattle. You see all them, them cows out there, you know, you see my camels, you know, that would be my demonstration of wealth. And so Lot and Abram, we're going to see, are very wealthy. They have a lot of livestock, a lot of animals. Verse 3, it says, And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. And I want to just point this out, well, verse 4, and then we'll go there. To the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now I want to point this out about Abram, that he had a habit everywhere he would go. He had this habit of he would build altars. He would, he would make sure there was a place for him to meet with the Lord. It was a pattern of his life. We see it in the beginning of the chapter. We're going to see it at the end of the chapter. It wasn't something he did in a time of distress only. You know, I don't know what you guys have out here. And, and Callie, if you got a, if an emergency happens, we dial 911. What, what do you guys have? Nine, what is it? 999. Okay. So, you know, we, some people look to the Lord. He's like a 999 call. You know, we don't think about the Lord. We don't pray to the Lord until, you know, the, the, the ceiling's caving in, the house is on fire, and, you know, the robbers are in front of you. And then it's like, Lord, you know, you call them then. We want it to be, as believers, something that is a, a part of our life. Well, we, we regularly interact with the Lord. We speak to him. One of the privileges of the believer is that we have 24-7, we have access to the Lord all day, every day. We can call out to him. He listens to us. He speaks back to us. He gives wisdom and direction. You have access to someone that knows everything, can do anything, and he loves you. And so foolish if we don't take advantage of that. You know, I have, I have to have that access and to pass it by is foolish, but, but many people do. And so Abram, as a practice, um, he, he had places where he would set up to make sure he met with the Lord. This place, Bethel, means house of God. And so Abram went back to one of the places he had previously set up to meet with the Lord. I would throw this out to you as a question this morning. Um, maybe not a place, but do you have a regular time or place where you meet with the Lord? Is this something you do on a day-to-day? Um, you know, some of us are busy and we have to, I, you know, I get busy. I have to, I have to be creative about making time and space to meet with the Lord. Me and my wife have four kids. And so juggling kids and taking them to school and feeding them food and putting on clothes and combing hair and all this kind of stuff, you you have to be creative. You have to make time to be with the Lord. Some people say at the end of it, I just didn't have time. No, no, no. You didn't make time. We all have time every day to do everything that we want to do. Um, I, I had a talk with somebody recently, and they were saying, it's, I just didn't have time to, to, to meet with the Lord. And I was looking at this individual, and their hair was all combed up. So well, how long did that take? <laughs> the, the Lord, you know what I'm saying? How long did it take to get your hair all like that? Said, if you spent as much time meeting with the Lord as you spent on your hair, your life would be looking like your hair. Your life would be right. Your life is messed up. Your hair looking right. So I'm not picking on you women. You know, brothers do some other stuff, you know fixing on the car and whatnot. But, you know, we want to make sure that we're making time to meet with the Lord. It's a privilege, and, it's a, and we need it. It's something that is a necessity. I have access to the living God. 
And I, I don't want to look over that as a small thing. And so we'll talk about that a little later. So Abram does what he normally does. He gets there and he sets up this place and he's meeting with the Lord. Verse 5, it says, Lot, who also went with Abram, he had flocks and herds and tents as well. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. It also says the Canaanites and Perizzites then were in the land. And so this is kind of what was going down. Abram had a lot of animals. And if you got a lot of cows and goats and camels and sheep because you're rich, they need a lot of grass. They need a lot of land to, to walk and eat and, 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 and be on. So Abram's herdsmen are out there taking care of his cattle. Lot also is wealthy and he has herds and cattle. And so the herdsmen are out there beefing. They're getting into it. You know, that's my grass. That's my field. And these guys are going back and forth. And these guys, the land is not big enough to support them both. And um, I could go into a whole thing on the enemy shouldn't be in the land, that Lot shouldn't even be there in the first place. But this would be the situation that God would use to get Abram back on track. Abram shouldn't have even taken Lot in the first place. But God is using this little tension here to get Lot back, to get Abram back on track, to get him back in a place where going to send your nephew away. And, and we'll see that the blessing that God had intended for Abram, it's been on hold and it's been held up until the moment that Abram sends Lot on his way. And so maybe, maybe you're here and there's some things that God has spoken to you to do. Do you know that partial obedience is disobedience? You know, I, I say a, a half truth is a whole lie. Um, you know, if, if, if God has told you to do something, you've done most of it that you haven't been completely obedient. You might be, because of your partial obedience, you might be living in a space where God says, I, I can't do what I would do next. I, I can't give you that in that condition. I, I want total obedience. And so um, may the Spirit speak to each of us as, as it applies, that we will be completely obedient. That if God says to do something, knowing that God is almighty, all-knowing, and all-powerful, and all-good, that we would just do what he says do, knowing that it must be good for me to do what God has spoken. Um, I'll say this, when I first got saved, I told you guys I was, my current, my living situation was I was living with a girl that I wasn't married to, shacked up, sinning. Um, I was doing all the other things I was doing, sinning. And when I got saved, I literally uh, gave my life to the Lord. I went to my buddy's church, talked to a pastor, got some, got a quick little sermonette on counting the cost. And I realized I didn't even really know all the stuff I was doing was a sin. Um, I didn't know John 3.16. I didn't know very much at all. But the guy gave me a little thing on count the cost. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go home. I'm not going to fornicate no more. Um, I, I, was, I had an issue with alcohol. I'm going to need God to help me with that. I'm going to throw away my cigarettes. Um, but I went home and, and, and told the girl I was living with, hey, not going to be with you no more. I'm not going to, you know, it's a wrap. And that all blew up. But she moved out and I let that apartment go. And, but as I let that go, um, and I really believe that there were things that I was going to struggle to do, but there was things that God had said, you do the things that you can do. I'll do the things that you can't do. And as I look at the things that, that I could do that I did, and I look at what God did in response, I, I, I put that relationship out. I know it wasn't from the Lord. Two months after that, I met my wife. Now, if I had been with her when I met my wife, it would have been a zero. <laughs> it would have been nothing. You know, I'm, I, I always think of that like, man, God, if I would have held on to that girl two months too long, 
I might be single and, and, and bitter, you know, I'm my own, Lord, who do you have for me? I mean, I may be one of them, you know, um, I, may, I may have somebody else, you know, uh, some, some bug-eyed friend, I don't know. But um, I look and I say, man, God, if two months of disobedience would have cost me this, I'm afraid to disobey, to delay in obedience because it's one of the biggest blessings in my life. And, you know, I look at it like, man, God, you, you, the things that, that I could do, you called on me to do. The things that I couldn't do, I couldn't kick alcohol. There were some sins in my life that had, I was in bondage, I couldn't overcome. Those things, God delivered me. God gave me his strength, his strength for my weakness. And so, um, again, may you be encouraged to obey. What you, do what you can do. There's, there are things, there are decisions that you can make. Don't hang out with them people. Every time I hang out with them, I end up getting drunk. Then quit hanging out with them. You know, just stop it. You stop it. You know, you do what you can do. And we look for the Lord to strengthen us and, and, and help us in areas where maybe we've been overtaken. Maybe we, we can't. And so Abram here finally is going to separate. This is the trial that's going to bring it about. Verse 8. So Abram said the lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take to the left, I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. This is very humble and gracious of Abram. Abram is the superior here. He's the one with the call of God upon his life. He's the uncle, not the nephew. He is richer than his nephew. Abram could have said, look, look, nephew, I probably shouldn't have took you in the first place. But I'm, 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 I'm a kicky to the curb now. You got to get your little cattle and you got to go. He could have just did them like that. But we see here the grace and strength of a man that is just connected with the Lord. Abram says, hey, hey you know what, man? I'm, I'm so confident in what God is doing in my life, what God is, has for me, that you, you pick whatever you want. You, I just, I, we, we don't want to have strife with you. I want peace. Peace is more important than stuff to me. And so you pick whichever way you want to go, Lot, I'll go the other way so that we can have peace. Amen. We're brethren. And we just see a maturity in Abraham in this, um, that he's not trying to fight for the best for himself. Um, he's leaving everything that's in, that belongs to him in God's hands. I'll say that there are people that strive to attain things. And it's been said, if you strive to attain it, you're going to strive to maintain it. If you get something being crafty, you know, just telling, going to the boss and be, telling secrets and doing things like that. If you get it like that, you're going to always be looking over your shoulder saying, I wonder if they're doing it to me. Sometimes those people that are always, I find, that are insecure in that way, always think somebody's doing something. I say, you probably, you probably live in a filthy life. That's why you don't have no peace. The Bible says in Proverbs, I think it's 28, 1, that the, the righteous, no, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. And so you got people that they're worried and nobody ain't thinking about you, but you all worried, you know, you, you thinking about you way too much, you know. So, um, but we just see there's a confidence here. And I will say this, if, if you leave your life in God's hands and you say, God, I only want what you have for me. And when God gives it to me, then I, did, I got it from God. And so I hold it lightly. God, if, if, if it's taken away, you, did, you could take it away. You gave it, you could take it. I don't, we don't trip. We just leave our life in God's hands. And um, there's so much peace if you can live like that. You know, there are people in jobs and they're just, they're battling and fighting. As if you could take all of that, put your boss off the throne, put the Lord on the throne. Jesus is in charge. You know, there's a, um, there's a proverb that says the hearts of the kings, I believe it's 29, one, the, the hearts of the kings are in his hands. And like the rivers of water, he turns them wherever he wishes. God says, those that are in authority over you, their hearts are in my hands. 
I'm the one in charge. And so you always look over their head to me. And as I do that, I find I have so much peace. Um, there was a time when we planted the church and I had to go looking for jobs. And I was going out and, and I had, if you've been working at a church for 10 years, that doesn't look well on a resume. You know, you're going for a job. and like, What did you do at the church? Sit there, preach. You know, they, 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 it, doesn't, it doesn't match up with any of the jobs that I was trying to go out and get a job. And um, so I was getting turned down. And I remember talking to a, a friend of mine. And he was like, man, you know why? You know, and he was trying to get racial. You know, which, it's because. I said, it's easy, bro. It's easy, man. I, said, I don't go there, you know. I don't believe if God had that job for me that that person could tell me no. I believe if, if that job was what God had for me, then, then, then they would have said yeah. So when I walk out, I don't care why it looked like they said no. God said no. He's sovereign. He's over them. They're just a little, you know, they, they, they play their role, their part, but God is sovereign. Believing that in my heart, it keeps me in a place of peace. I can be nice to someone that shuts the door. Because my Bible says that he opens doors that no man can shut, and he shuts doors that no man can open. And so if you open the door, I don't have to be nosing behind you. And if you shut the door, I don't have to be mad at you. I'm just saying, all right, Lord, you shut that door. I'm looking for the door that you open. You open that door, bless your name. You know, I'm going to go in and be a witness. But always I'm looking to him. We respect people. We love people. We look to the Lord. Amen? And we can live like that just with that mindset. There'll be peace. When other people are tripping and falling all over themselves. So Abram, he doesn't, he doesn't sound worried about where he's going to go. Is he going to have enough? What about me? What about my turf? He, he, he looks like a man whose life is in God's hands. That's how we want to live it. So he says, Lot, you go wherever you want. I'll figure out what I'm going to do afterwards. You got, you got first dibs. You go ahead and pick first, and I'll go next. And so Lot, Lot is going to be our example, you guys, of how not to make decisions. Um, we talk, I told you guys we we're talking about self-will versus God's will. Lot is going to show us with people in the flesh. Somebody, with, Though he's a believer, Lot is going to demonstrate to us the, the way we, we're not to make decisions. How somebody, he makes his decisions like somebody who doesn't have access to God would make decisions. That's not what we want to do. Look at verse 10. It says, so Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zar. And so it says what Lot did was he looked up. This is very natural. This is what most people do. He looked, he lifted up his eyes and he looked with his own eyes. He said, ooh, that looks good over there. Ooh, that looks good. That's, you know, how many single people here? Just show a hand, single people. Raise your hand. I'm not trying to hook y'all up. I'm just trying to see, okay. So we want to see who you are. All right. So be warned, you know, single people. This is how single people get in trouble. Brothers, men, they look with their eyes. Ooh, I think that's what the Lord had for me. And <laughs> they didn't get a word from the Lord, didn't pray, didn't seek him. You saw with your eyes. You don't know what's behind door number one. And so that's not how believers are to make decisions. Ladies, he's got a nice job. Security. He looks, I could be, oh, I could be secure with him. He looks like, oh, he's a good guy. Oh, and they just look with their eyes. But he's lying. He's bumping your head. He got four other friends on the side. You're going to find out all kind of, you need to be seeking the Lord. Uh, we can make decisions like this, but it's not the way God would have a believer to make decisions. So Lot does what a man that doesn't know God can do. He looks up with his eyes and he says, from my vantage point, this looks really good. Um, I have a sister that we're a year apart and we grew up like this. I love my sister to death. She got saved uh, 
five years ago now, I think it is, um, gave her life to the Lord. So now we have even that in common. We got Christ in common, which is a blessing. But when we were growing up, I never, my sister had a car and, you know, we were living in Inglewood. So there's always somebody out there with a deal, you know, hustling up stuff. And so she needed a radio for her car. And there was a guy and he had a box, brand new Alpine deck, you know, and that radio would have cost 300 something bucks. And he was out there hustling it off and he sold it to her for a hundred bucks. So she came home, was like, look what I got. Oh, she got a deal. I was like, wow, how much? A hundred bucks. Wow. Killed it. You got a good deal. So we start opening it up. Oh man, this is, I, I still tease her to this day. So we start cutting off the, the, the little cellophane off of it and open it up and pull out the styrofoam and open it. And this man had cut up, uh, he had cut up a phone book to give it some weight. And she had bought a hundred dollars and you paid a hundred dollars for a cut up phone book. You know, you, you can't even use the whole, it's cut up. And to this day I tease her, but it would seem so good at that moment. You know, she got home and realized I got got, you know, I got beat. And so that happens to a lot of people far too often. Believers making decisions with their eyes, get what look like to their vantage point. This looks like a great opportunity. This looks like the right thing, a good deal, the right way to go, but you got limited vision. And so one of the advantages of seeking God is that God can see what you can't see. God knows what you maybe can't know. He knows everything. And so I can say, God, is that what you want from me? You know, Lord, would you have me to enter into this situation right here? It seems all good to me, um, but what do you say? When I was doing youth ministry, and um, I hope this isn't too harsh or whatever, but there was a lady that wanted to serve and get involved in the youth ministry. And she came and we sat down and she filled out the application. Everything looked fine. And as I sat with her to meet with her, and just discernment, my, in my spirit, I just didn't have a peace. I felt like, I don't know why I don't have a peace. I don't feel like something's not right. And it was, I struggled with it because I didn't have anything to tell her. Um, when she did all that she was supposed to do and she came back and set up another appointment to meet and, you know, I'm getting ready to tell her, no, we can't use you, but... Um, I couldn't say like, it's because this on your application or because I see this flaw or this thing right here. I just didn't have a piece. And I struggled with maybe just letting her come anyway and prayed about it. And God said, if you do that, then you're going to live with whatever happens afterwards. So I didn't do it. I, I, she called her in. I said, you know what? I just don't have a piece about it. I'm going to continue to pray. I encourage you to do the same, but I'm not going to have you serve. And she was upset and, you know, she left or whatever. And that was maybe in the fall or so. That summer um, what ended up happening within our church body, but not in our youth ministry, thank God. This woman had a high school son, ended up being involved with a, a, one of her son's friends um, in, a, in a sexual way. So the, the law was involved and all this. And all I could think when I heard that was that, wow, that we would have brought that upon the church. And so I was like, wow, God, you know, I'm glad Thank you for, for, you know, you gave that check. That was from you. And, and I was, then I was like, man, I was, I was so close to going against that that I got to really be careful. You know, I, I don't want to be making decisions like a man that doesn't know the Lord. And so I encourage you guys, if you're saved, the Spirit of God lives in you. God will direct us by his word. He leads us by his spirit, but we need to be obedient to what he shows us. And so Lot, it says he lifted up his eyes. He looked at the plain of Jordan, this area of Sodom. We know that Sodom is a pretty wicked area. Um, but Lot just looking in, Sodom looks nice. Green grass, my animals will eat good here. I'll flourish in this land. 
And that's what he could see with his eyes. He couldn't see the spiritual climate of Sodom. He couldn't see what was going to happen to his children in Sodom. He couldn't see what was going to happen to his wife in Sodom. And he couldn't see what was going to happen to him. All he could see was the green grass. And uh, one of the books I was reading on this said that Lot got, he, Lot got, um, he got grass for his cattle. But we'll see later on with Abram that Abram gets grace for his children. And while Lot looks for this immediate thing, but everything behind it fails, what Abram gets with the promise of God is something that stabilizes him, his children, and his children's children for generation and generation to come. And so, you know, that's something else to consider every man in the room. As you're a man and a husband and a father, you're a leader. And you could lead in a way that has a ripple effect. You're the lead. And if you're not leading as under Christ, if you're not guided by the Lord and led by the Lord, you can lead in a way that the wife and the children under you are impacted in a negative way. It's what happens for Lot, and we'll see it. And so he looked, lifted up his eyes. Then verse 11, this is what we don't do. It says, Lot chose for himself. I don't know if you highlight or underline in your Bible, but I underlined that in my Bible and highlighted it. Lot chose for himself. That's exactly what we do not want to do. We don't want to choose for ourselves. It's been said that God reserves his best for those that allow him to do the choosing. And so if I go out and choose for myself, make my own decisions apart from the Lord, then I get to live with whatever happens. Um, I believe that God in his grace and his sovereignty, God's given us the ability. I get to make choices and God allows my choices. He allows me to, to make decisions and, and to see how things work out. As I have kids, um, some of you guys, maybe you have obedient kids. I got four and they're all different. So I have some of my kids that are just obedient. Yes, dad, whatever you, yes. You know, that's my 15-year-old daughter. She's, man, she's awesome. Uh, they're all awesome in their own way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ooh, let be careful here, you know. But uh, they're all different. They're all unique. My nine-year-old, that's my little buddy. It's Benjamin, son of my right hand. That is my little right-hand man. But he needs a dad in his life. He needs a discipline. He needs guidance. He needs direction. He's got a strong, you know, will. So a lot of times, he wants to be independent. He's the youngest, but in his mind, he's like, no, I can do it. No, I can do it. I'm, and so sometimes what I have to let him do is, you know, go ahead, son. You, you got it? You know, we're going out to get the groceries from the car. And so I'm letting you get him grab the light stuff. You get the bread and, the, and the, you know, the chips and stuff. I get the milk and the water gallon. He's like, Dad, I can get the water gallons, you know. He, he, he thinks he's on swole. He's always taking his shirt off, showing his guns and everything else. So, you know, I'm like, son, I, I can get those. You know, I got them, Dad. And he's loading himself up with gallons of water and milk. And so he get a few steps with it. And then he's like, yeah, dad, I think I can get the other stuff. And he puts him down. And he's not the kid that I could just tell. I got to let him experience failure. And, and then he'll listen a little better next go round. You know, I take him to skate park and um, he's looking at the older kids do stuff. I'm like, son, you, you just want to keep it simple. You just learning, you know. He's like, no, dad, I can do that. I'm like, son. Fine. I, I, just, I pat him up and put a pat on every, everything. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and get after it, son. And so he goes, blam, you know. Yeah, I'm good, dad. I'm good. We can go home. He's over it, you know. Some of you are like that, though, in your walk with the Lord. You know, God just tells you. And you're like, no, nah, I got to go try it out. And God says, okay, go ahead. And you come back with a busted lip and a, a crooked limp. And, and, and you come back a little humbler, a little more open to hear. I'm just saying, it, it, you have the option 
to go without the extra bangs and bruises if you'll just listen up front. And so um, Lot here chooses for himself. I got this, Lord. He didn't pray. He didn't say, Lord, would you have me to go here? God, it looks really good to me. I like it. What say ye? You know, what do you say about it? Um, that's okay. You know, I may see something. I'm like, God, to me, this looks, woo, you know, I'd really like to have it. What do you say? You know, when I, when I, when I, was, when I was convinced that I was to marry my wife, she wasn't convinced yet, you know. That's all right. You know what I'm saying? We, we were going to get there, you know. But I remember I prayed. I said, God, is this the woman that you have for me? Because something I had done in my life as a non-believer is I had messed over women. And I got in their lives and got all involved. And then I, was, I pieced out at a different time. And I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to ruin her life. I don't want to sin with her. I don't want to do anything wrong with her. She wasn't open to letting me sin with her anyway. But, you know, just, you know um, but I was very interested. And I liked her. And I'm like, God, I really liked her. I like her. I've never met a girl like her. She's a Christian. She's got convictions. She really means it. You know, I'm like, I'm digging on her, you know. And so I pray. I'm like, God, is that what you have for me? And God said, yeah. So I'm thinking, well, then, hey, now, you know, I go talk to her. And she's like, she, she got the Heisman out. She's like, she don't even know if she don't think I'm saved enough yet. You know, she's like, well, she wants to watch me a little longer. I'm like, girl, I'm saved, you know. <laughs> How many verses I got to know? You know, I love the Lord, you know. But she wasn't convinced just yet. You know, I was still a pretty new believer when we met. And uh, so she kind of kept me out here at a distance. But I always knew she was digging me. So I said, you know, I'll be patient, Lord. And, uh, and, uh, but, I, but, I, hey, but all that time I was praying. I'm like, God, you got to show her what you're showing me. You know, because I, I, I can't even tell her. You know, she would run away if I tell her what I'm thinking, you know. But uh, I remember on an Easter Sunday, um, the Lord set up the perfect scenario um, for us to have this little powwow and get everything established. And uh, I praise God for it. We'll go into all that right now. But I'll just say this, that we have the opportunity as believers to seek the Lord at every turn, and we ought to take him up on it. He knows what we don't know. He can see beyond what we can see. And even there are things, and I'm like, God, I can't even see how that will work out right now. They don't even seem open. The doors are not even open right now. But God is telling you, I want you to set your heart on it because that's what I'm going to do. And many people in the Bible, God had said things to, and, and, and they couldn't see how it would work out. The, the man that we're looking at right here, Abram, God had told Abram, hey, you're going to have a son. And through this son, the, work, the earth is going to be blessed. And, and he's going to many descendants as much as the sand of the sea. And he's like, but my wife is barren. I can't see how this is going to happen. Now we're getting old. I don't see how it's going to happen. Now I'm old, and, and I don't see how it's going to happen. And God, when he was getting ready, God said, man, the burden's on me. I said it. I'll bring it to pass. And we know the story. We know that God, when he was ready, when it was miraculous, when Sarah was not only barren, but now even if she could have been able to have kids, she was beyond the age. When Abram was so old that, you know, he was old, and it, was, it wasn't going down anymore. You know, when it was an absolute work of God, God said, now I'll do it now, and I'll get all the glory and all the credit for what I'm going to do. And, and God, but God kept his word, you guys. God keeps his word. And so how did Abram know to wait on God for that? We know he messed up in the middle, but how did he, how did he have that hope? How did he know to wait on that? Because he had heard. God had told him. God had spoken to him. Something that didn't make any sense. But God said, that's do it. Just do it. Watch what I do. And again, how do you know these kind of things outside of a relationship with the Lord where you speak to him and he speaks to you? Where you yield to him, where you believe him by faith, the things that he tells you. And so... Again, Lot looks for himself. Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and he journeyed east, and they separated from each other at this point. 
Then verse 12, it says, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and he pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And I want to just point something out real quick about Lot. Lot, there's a downward spiral that begins at this decision. We're not going to study the whole life of Lot, but I'm going to give it to you. If you're writing notes, um, you can write down the verses. You can look it up later for yourself. But I want to just show you how things went downhill. This one decision that this man made had an impact on his future for, for him, for his children, for his wife, for his whole, his whole life was impacted by this decision. Lot chose for himself Sodom and looked good for the animals, but it wasn't going to be good for his marriage. It wasn't going to be good for him. It wasn't going to be good for his kids. And if I could walk you through it, it goes like this. We see here in chapter 13, verse 11, Lot chose for himself. We see in chapter 13, verse 12, that Lot pitched his tent as far as Sodom. And so first he looked, he liked it. Now he moved over and he's in there. He's in Sodom. Later on, um, in the first year that he spends in Sodom, in chapter 14, which we're not going to go to, but in chapter 14, verse 12, they get raided. And so there's a coalition of kings that comes through and they, they rob everybody in Sodom. And guess who gets taken? They don't just rob Lot. They take Lot and his family and his possessions. He gets taken away. First year in Sodom, not going too good. How's that, how's that impact his leadership to his wife? Look what you got us into. Husbands, hear this. If, if you, when you make dumb decisions and you want your wife to, now wives are supposed to submit, we want to make it easy. You want your wife to say, my husband makes such good decisions. Oh, man, when I follow him, it just, we get, it just works out. I trust him. But you'd be a lot making decisions like this. And you're saying, babe, we're going to go to Sodom. Okay. And we go, okay, honey, we go to Sodom. Year one, we get jacked. They take us, the kids, the stuff. We're all gone. Uncle Abe has to get some men together to come rescue us. And so Abraham goes down, rescues them, gets his stuff back, and brings them back. What's that done to his leadership with his wife? What's she think? She looking next time Lot said, let's go somewhere, which is gonna happen, she's gonna be saying, mm, I don't know. But she's wrong for it, but that's what's gonna happen. He he hindered that. So he dwelt there, chapter 14, verse 12. That's not going well. In chapter 19, verse 1, we see Lot is sitting at the city gates. That's the place of government. Now Lot's, he's not just living in Sodom. He's a part of the, the government of Sodom. He's a part of, he's been, he's, he's, been in, he's been made a part of the land. He's interacting with them in this sort of way. And I want you to know that it cost him everything. It didn't just cost him his stuff in chapter 14. That was all restored thanks to Uncle Abe. But in chapter 19, verse 8, when God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the gross wickedness of the area, and God sent angels to go into Sodom, we know that there was an angry mob of homosexuals that showed up at Lot's door, banging on the door, saying, we want to know those men. The angels were in the form of men. They must have been handsome. We want to know them in a carnal way. We want them to do whatever with them. And Lot says, and this, I'll never understand this, but Lot says, hey, hey I have two virgin daughters. Why don't you take them? I'm a dad. I'm, I'm saying there's a lot of options here. I know in the culture, you know, you protect, you know, you protect your, in that culture, it's said that you protect your family, you protect your, your guest above your family. I, I would, that's whack. 
I don't care what the culture says. I'm a dad. I'm going to protect my kids. If you come knocking at my door, I'm not offering my wife, my kids, or my friends. Um, We're going to get down. You know, it's, it's another option. There was a plan B, but Lot didn't see that. You know, he offers up his virgin daughters again. I look at that and I say, I don't understand that. I don't understand how you do, how do, how do, you do that. I don't understand. But they don't even want his daughter, so thank God for them. They, didn't, they weren't interested in his daughters. Um, that's the kind of men they were. So that happens there. Then in chapter 19, verse 14, Lot goes to his sons-in-law. Now, it looks like these daughters were probably engaged, but not married yet. And so it says they were, you know, these, the men that they had married, but it was probably an engagement. Lot goes to, her, to the sons-in-law, these guys that were going to marry his daughters. And he says, guys, God's going to destroy this place. Let's get out of here. And they had no respect for him. So something had happened a lot in his time in Sodom. People wouldn't even hear him. He goes to his, these, these men that are going to marry his daughter and say, guys, we need, God's going to do something. God's going to destroy this place. We need to go. And they say, man, get out of here. You, you must be kidding. And they have no respect for him. He has no spiritual authority at this point. That's how, that's what's happening to Lot. That's what's happened to him in Sodom. Later on in chapter 19, verse 16, the angels tell Lot, get out of here. And it says that he lingered. Now, I don't know about you. I've never had angels come visit me to begin with. But if some angels came that I knew of, you know, they can come unannounced, you know. But if an angel came, visited me and said, yo, God's going to destroy this city. Get your family and get. I might not even put my shoes on. We out. I'm snatching up everybody I love and like and we out. You know, we're going. He says he lingered like, you know, why would I don't. Again, that says something about where he was at. Um, where his life had gone, where he had, where he had fallen to at this point. And in the last couple things, we know that his wife turned into a pillar of salt. In chapter 19, verse 26, as they're finally making their way out, the, it said the angel had to actually grab him by the hand. So, I mean, come on and get up out of here. And grabbed him by the hand to take him out. Lot's wife was coming along. And it says that Lot's wife went like, oh. She looked back. There was something inside him that she was like, oh, you know, maybe... She was saying, you know, the last time I left somewhere and went with you, it didn't go too good. I don't trust you. Maybe. Maybe there was something in Sodom that she lusted after. Maybe she had some possessions, some things there. So the word of the Lord, the word that God was coming to do, to judge and destroy, I I hear that, but there's still something I want. God says, okay, you get to stay. Pillar of salt. Boom. He loses his wife in the exchange. He's lost his respect. He's lost something in his walk with the Lord. He's lost the respect of his wife. Now he's actually lost his wife. I mean, your wife turned into a pillar of salt. There's, she don't get the, that never gets undone. You know, it's not like a, a spell where it's like, okay, we'll pray that it, if the salt breaks and I get my wife back. You know, that was it. He lost his wife in the exchange. And this may be the saddest thing of all. As Lot leaves and his daughters go with him, his daughters thought that God had destroyed the whole world. But God had only destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so they were saying, oh, no, because their husbands-to-be stayed, and they died in Sodom. And they're saying, there are no men. Now we're never going to have kids. And they do just like their dad. They start thinking among themselves, reasoning within their own minds. And they say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get dad drunk, and we're going to go be with dad. And so for any people here that are blessed to be grandparents, one of the sweetest things in life other than marriage and having kids yourself, that I've seen is when older people get to have grandkids. 
You get to have the baby and the cute with all with no responsibility. You know, you bring me my babies and you, you love on them and feed them sugar and candy and then you send them back when you're done. You know, one of the sweet things of, of older age is grandkids. Even for Lot, this would be tainted because his grandkids would be the result of incest with his own daughters. And so I look at this man's life and I've walked you downward, down the spiral to take you back and say, one decision did all this, you guys. One decision here. And that decision to go there led him down all this way. And, and, and it's, it's ruined him, his marriage, his children. And it just doesn't look like anything good came out of it. And so we don't want to make decisions like that. Um, if we look back at Genesis 13, and I, I do want to close. I will, I will speak to us about how to make godly decisions. I'm not going to leave us hanging on that. So uh, I, do, I do want you to see how grave and dark and bad it can be when you take up your life into your own hands like it's yours and don't leave it with the Lord. Um, when we make decisions for ourselves, choose and do our own way, this, is, this, this can result. Um, but there's another way. There's a better way. And so back to Genesis 13, after Lot separates from him, in verse 14, uh, Genesis 13, 14, and the Lord said to Abram, key phrase, after Lot had separated, this blessing that God is about to bestow on Abram, I believe, was held up until Lot departed because Lot, I don't believe, was to be with him in the first place. After Lot had separated from him, he said, lift up your eyes. Look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land that you see, I give you and your descendants forever. So Abram gets a total different deal here. Abram looks up, God says, Abram, look up. Look north, south, east, and west. That's pretty much everywhere. Um, if I look north, south, east, and west, I didn't, there's nowhere I didn't look. And so God says, look at all that. It's all yours and your descendants forever. Now, this is the difference. If God has given it to him, then Abram's able to walk in with a confidence. Abram doesn't have to walk into this land wondering if he's going to get booted out because, God, you said it's for me and my descendants after me forever. So it's never going to not be ours. And there's a confidence and a peace that he will be able to walk in because he got it from the Lord. It says in verse um, 16, And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, your descendants could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. In verse 18, then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees in Mamre, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar to the Lord there. And I want to just point out that we started off this chapter with Abram going back to the place where he would meet with the Lord. We end off this chapter Abram going and making sure there was a place for him to meet with the Lord. And something that we see distinct in Abram's life that was lacking in Lot's life was that Abram met with the Lord. And so, and it made a big difference in his life. I think it made a difference in how he made decisions. It made a difference in what he was hearing. It made a difference in his, his ongoing thought pattern, why he wasn't insecure, why he wasn't trying to protect what he had because his life was in God's hands and he was confident in it because he spent time on a regular basis with the Lord. And so do you spend time with the Lord? How do you spend time? How do we do this? How do I spend time with the Lord? This is a, it's, it's, for some of you, it's a difficult thought. Because it's not, God's not visible, right? I don't see him. Um, I'm saying, are you walking with Jesus? I am. We do it by faith, right? We don't see the Lord. I've never hugged the Lord. I've never visibly seen the Lord, but I'm called to walk with him. 
Um, when I spend time in prayer, that's by faith. I'm praying. Nobody's, nobody, I mean, no one's here, you know, but I believe God's listening when I'm praying. It's done by faith. When I read my Bible and I'm saying, God, speak to me. I know these are pages on the book, but you say your word is living. And so I'm looking for a living word. I'm looking for you to speak back to me. I pray before I read and I'm looking for what God will show me. God speaks to us in many ways. I never would put God in a box. God can speak through his word. He can speak by his spirit. He can speak through ministry like this. God may speak through people, through circumstances. God speaks, though, through his people. But in my life, I found that one of the primary ways that I, I receive and hear from the Lord is just praying, reading praying, reading. There's something about that where God will speak back to me through his word. And it's, it'll be so, so solid that there are times where God has spoken back to me something that I don't believe man would have told me. And, um, and, and when I get that word, I know what to do. I know what to do from now on. And it's solid. It's, it, it, it's, it saves me. It keeps me. When my, my, you guys know my oldest daughter, um, you know, I had her when I was not saved. So she's been back and forth, my house, her mom's house. That's my daughter. She struggles a lot. Um, struggles in her walk with the Lord. She's been back and forth between two homes her whole life. And so I'm praying for her. I'm praying that God will, will really apprehend her in a, in a solid way. But when she was in high school, she had been with us for a season and we'll see her start to flourish and then she'll go back with her mom and it just goes back and forth. But at one point she called me and she said she had never done this before. So I've, ever since she was an infant, or I would have her every weekend at least. Um, she called and said that she wasn't going to come that weekend. So I'm as a, I was a dad. I was crushed. It was, it was literally an hour before I was to go speak at a, a, a youth thing. And she called and, and I talked to her. And basically, long story short, she did, didn't want to come. There was something going on at her mom's house over there that I would not have let her go to. So she figured if I stay at my mom's house, I can go. And so I remember being crushed. Now I got a I got court order that says she's to be with me. So I could impose that. I could say, no, you're going to be with me. Bam, and do that. And I, so I said, God, I had to pray about it. I'm like, that, that was my, my knee-jerk response. My inclination was to just say, nah, you're going to be with me. You ain't going, you know, and, and just to exercise my authority in that way. And I went home, and I was broken. I cried. I prayed. I said, God, I hurt. My, my heart's hurt. She doesn't want to be here. I'm crushed. I don't know what to do. And I'm praying, and I'm reading, and I'm praying, and I'm reading, and I end up at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2. And God speaking to the, through Asa the prophet, to Asa, through a prophet, he says, while you're with me, I'll be with you. When you seek me, I'll find you. If you forsake me, I'll forsake you. And if you look up the two words forsake, they're different. If you forsake, turn your back on me. I will forsake, let you go. And as I studied that and read that, God said, that's what you do. When she's with you, you be with her. When she seeks you out, you drop what you're doing and you go be with her. When she says, I don't want to be, you let her go. And he gave me the prodigal son as kind of the scripture picture to back it up. When the prodigal son came to the father and said, I want to go, the father said, okay, I'll let you go. When you come back, I'll be here, but I'll let you go. And I, I don't think any human being would have given me that counsel, but when I got that from the, that was just praying and reading the word. It, it healed me. I, I've clung to that ever since. I know what to do. I know what to do when that scenario happens because I, I, I got a word from the Lord. And so I cling to this book. I believe that it's, it's, not, a, it's not a normal book. It's not, a, it's not a, a novel. It's not a book that I read it. I got this. It's a living word of almighty God. And I can read the same book over and over and over again. And the the content won't change. 
the, what God meant when he spoke it to who he was speaking to won't change, but what God might be speaking to me, what, what God might illuminate, what, what God might awaken me to may change. And so I always want to come to the word of God with fresh eyes. I pray and I read. I never come to this book like I know it because I don't know it. I'll never know it enough um, until I'm in heaven, you know, so I ain't there yet. Um, so I want to seek it out. So that's how Lot made his decisions. How should we make decisions? How do we make godly decisions? I want to give you four scriptures. And I believe if we can line these things up, that, that God will help us to make wise decisions, biblical decisions. And so the first one is writing them down. There's four things. Number one, you can write down, acknowledge God. And that's Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. First thing we want to make sure we're doing is acknowledging God. How do we do that? Um, we just bring it to before him in prayer. If, if somebody walks by you, and you see them, and they see you, and they just keep it moving, you, you didn't even acknowledge me. You know, you saw me, you looked at me in my face, you didn't say hi, you didn't acknowledge me. You know, that's what we would say. God would say, look, you making them decisions. You know I'm right here and you're just going to keep it moving. You didn't acknowledge me. You're bad. So acknowledge him. Don't lean to your, trust in him with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding in all your ways. Everything that you're doing, your ways, the way of life, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Bring it before him. Ask him about it. He promises then, I'll direct your path. Don't skip on that, y'all. That's, that's, that's huge. Acknowledge him. Number two, desire. Psalms 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4 says this. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. This is how that works. If, if you're not delighting in the Lord, you might be desiring some stuff that's not from God. When I wasn't, when I wasn't living for God, I look at what my desires were. They, were. they were in line with how I was living. I desired wrong stuff. But God says, delight yourself also in the Lord. Make me your delight. What does that mean? How do I make God my delight? You excited to be with God? You excited to be around God's people? Do you, you delight to be in his word? Is it, is it something that you're like, oh, I'm looking forward to this time. Don't interrupt me right now. You know, put my phone away. Turn it off. I delight. God, delight yourself in me. And God says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. And I believe it's twofold. I believe that as you delight in the Lord, God will literally give you desires that are in line with what he wants to give you. And he says, then I'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, my kids, um, they got a, my dad is their pawpaw. And um, pawpaw, he always gives them, he blesses my kids. He gives them, he gives them big bank. You know, I'd be broke. I'd be over there squeezing out little money. Pawpaw come over and drop big bank on them, you know. And so you get a little kid with a lot of money and they don't know how to use it right. So I never want to take it away. I, I, what I try to do is this. I do this very thing. I start to guide them. I'm like, hey, if you spend that all over the place, you could, get, you could save it and get one big thing. I started just kind of throwing nuggets at them, trying to help them not to waste it, you know, because if you burn a hole in their pocket, they just want to go buy 500 little dumb things. I'm like, just eh, hold up, hold up. And so I'll, I'll kind of guide them. They can't get to the store without me anyway. So I'll, I'll be guiding them, right? I'll be throwing out little nuggets of thought. And they're like, and finally I'll, I'll, hit, a, I'll, hit, a, I'll hit a chord, you know. Oh, I could do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want, you know, if you want, you know, I'm just throwing it out there as an idea. But eventually, 
they'll, they'll, they'll take hold of something. And I'm like, all right, that'll be a good use of it. I'm guiding them lightly. You know, now, now, now I'll take you to do that. You know, God's if you delight in me, I'll do that. You got some desires that are whack. You don't even know it, though. So God's but as you delight in me, I'll, I'll show you and I'll give you new desires. And then you'll start wanting what I want to give you. And you'll be pursuing what I want to give you. And then you'll get it. And God says, how did your desires will change as you delight in the Lord. So first I got to acknowledge God. I got to delight in the Lord, you guys. He'll change my desires. I'll start wanting what he wants. So if God is not your delight, you may be wanting and asking for things that God will never desire to give you. But it's as you begin to delight in him, God says, now you'll have desires that are in keeping with my word. Number three, peace. Write down peace. This is Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And it says, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart, that's the seat of your emotions, and your mind, which is your intellect, through Christ Jesus. This is what God promises. If you won't be anxious, but you'll pray. God says, pray with thanksgiving, supplication, all these, bring these things before me. God says, I'll protect you. Maybe you, you may be hearing you're an emotional person. You make, a, you make emotional decisions. You know who you are. I just, I felt, I felt, you know, and then you, you, later on, you, you feel dumb. You know, you did the wrong thing. You're just led by your feelings. Oh, some people are intellectual. You overthink everything. You be analyzing it five different ways. You figure it out and you just take all your own brain power and making decisions. God says, if you not be anxious, but pray, I'll protect you from your emotions. I'll protect you from your intellect because you'll have the peace of God. I'll give you my peace, which surpasses your understanding. It surpasses, it goes beyond those things. You'll have the peace of God about these things. Third and last thing is open door. And we, I mentioned it earlier, Revelation 3, 7 speaks about the Lord Jesus, how that he opens doors that no man can shut. And he shuts doors that no man can open. Now, I believe, you know, there's some decisions, you guys, that the Bible, I don't even have to pray about, right? There's some things that God has spoken so clearly on they don't require prayer. You know, I have a guy came to me and said, hey, man, I met this girl and I really like her, man. Is she saved? Not yet. You know, this. We don't need to pray. I will not pray for you. You need to obey what you already know. <laughs> I'm going to pray you obey. <laughs> so, you know, th- that's not, a, we don't need to pray about that. You know, this person really offended me. I need to pray that I can forgive him. Er, no, no, no. You just need to forgive him. You don't have to pray to forgive him. You already know it's the will of God that you forgive him. Ain't you been forgiven much? You know, that's not something you need to pray about. You already know what the will of God is concerning that. So there's some things that don't require prayer. You already know it's written in black and white in your Bible. Just do it. But there are those other things. Where we talked about earlier, God, is this your will or not? God, do you want us to get that place or that place or no place? You want us to move or stay? You know, buy or sell? What do you want? And God said, and those things, I believe you can line these things up. First, I'm acknowledging God. Second, as I delight in the Lord, is it God giving me a desire for this? Third, as I acknowledge God and have desire, do I have peace? Is there an absence of peace or do I have peace? And fourth and final, is there an open door? Um, And let's say I've acknowledged God and I have a desire, but no open door. I can't go anyway. If I got an open door and a desire, but I don't have peace, I'm going to wait. God, I don't have peace about this. Would you you give me peace? Something, I mean, the door is open. I want it. You know, I desire it, but, you know, I'm not having a peace. God, would you you give me your peace? I'm going to pray. I'm not anxious. I'm not in a rush. But I'm praying, would you direct me? 
And, but if you can line those things up, I believe that you can move forward with a sense of, God, I've sought you. And I've, 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 I've walked through, I'm, I'm sifting these things through the scriptures. And I'm, I'm always going to be open for further direction. But I'm looking, as I acknowledge you, I'm looking for desire. I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for open door. If I can line those things up, I believe that I can begin to move forward with a sense of peace. I believe Lot, though he saw Sodom, if he'd have prayed, I don't think God would have given him a desire to go in a godless place like that. Um, all Lot did was looked. And so no prayer, no sense of it wasn't the desire that came from God. I know he didn't get the peace of God, but the door was open. So he went and look what happened. And so uh, there are lots of doors open. And, and again, this is our advantage as believers that we wouldn't be self-willed individuals doing what we want, but that we would really fall under the banner saying, man, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of my life, and I, I don't just want to do my own thing, so I'm bringing these things before him. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me direction. Guide my steps. I do acknowledge you. I do seek you because you're the Lord of my life. And so I'm going to ask the, the band if they would come back up right now. I'm going to get ready to wrap up, but I, I want to leave us with a few thoughts, some things to consider, some things I pray will be helpful for you guys um, just in life and in your walk with the Lord. For every person here that would say, I know that I'm, I know I'm, a, I know I'm a believer. I know that Jesus is Lord in my life. To you, I would say this. Every single day, there are decisions being made. But I would challenge right now, whatever you've come in here, things that you may have things on the table right now, things that you've been praying about, things that you've been looking to do, uh, considering, I would just challenge you in the love of the Lord that you would, you would sift these things through this process. Say, God, direct me. I'm going to make sure that I'm praying all the time about these things. And I, I, if you can get one person to do that, you can have one light blessed. But if you can get a community of believers that will seek God about everything, imagine the difference that it would make in, in, in your lives and your families. Then as a community of believers, imagine the difference it would be if it was this many people that were not nominally in name only following Jesus, but legitimately and sincerely lives being directed by God. What, what would that look like? That would be amazing. Maybe that is the case. I don't know. I'm, I'm just a visitor, okay? But uh, I'm just saying it would, be, it would be an amazing thing for a group of people to live it out that way. And then I can't, I can never stand in front of a group of people and make an assumption. I don't know. You guys, I don't know everybody here. Um, I don't know if everybody knows the Lord. Maybe you got invited today. Maybe you came with a friend just checking this thing out. Um, and I, I, I have to share this. Uh, I want to say this to you this morning or this afternoon. Um, if you're here and you don't know, if you don't know in your heart, you don't know if you die today, you're going to heaven. You don't know that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Um, I want to just lay out three things real quick. that you, I want you to hear them. I want you to consider them. Three verses. Romans 3.23, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so basically God says everybody here is a sinner. We've all broken his rule, broken his law. We've all fallen, fallen short of God's will in some way. We're, we're on level playing ground as far as God is concerned. All men have sinned. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus the Lord. The wages, what sin will eventually pay you out if you die in it, is death. Not just a physical death, spiritual death. Eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. That's the Bible. That's the wages of sin. But, but the second part of that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus the Lord. 
And so why did Jesus die on the cross? He was innocent. We're guilty. He died on the cross to take my guilt, my sin, my shame on himself. And he died in my place. He died in your place. Um, That's what the Bible teaches, that God is a righteous God. He's a holy God. He can't look upon sin. He loves sinners. He made a provision for us. He says, all y'all have messed up so bad. Y'all will never make it to heaven without my help. I'm going to do this for you. And he came and he lived the life that we could never live, perfect, holy, and sinless. And he died in your place. And then God said, now what's your part? We, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God says, look, it's not enough to acknowledge this in your mind. Um, mentally, I acknowledge that that happened. God says, believe it in your heart. Believe that I died in your place. Believe that I loved you that much. Believe that I didn't just die, but I rose from the grave and I overcame sin, death, and Satan for you. And the result for someone that believes that is that we're going to be humble, we're going to be submitted, and we're going we're to be submitted under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I want to just submit that to you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, yes, I've done this. Praise God. May you continue to walk in the strength and might and power of the Lord. But maybe you're here and you're, and you're listening. You're saying, I, I need to be saved. I need to take advantage of that. Well, we've read through. That's what the Bible says you need to do. God has really made it simple. I, I, I've likened it to a proposal. Um, when a guy, I don't know, I think it's the same out here. But when a guy proposes to a lady, usually he purchases a diamond or some kind of bling. He gets on a knee. Is that how y'all do it out here? Okay, maybe you know what I'm saying. Gets on a knee. And he, he says what he says. Oh, I love you. I want to be with you the rest of my life, blah, 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 blah. You know, he puts his best spiel out there. At that moment, the woman can, she has all the power. She gets to say yay or nay. She can walk away. She can say, yes, I do, <laughs> all that. That's what he hopes she says, you know. But this is the reality. Anything other than yes is no. When I propose to my wife, she got all emotional and she waited a minute. And I was like, I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on one word. Yes. Um, At that moment, anything less than yes, maybe is a no. Let me think about it is a no. Um, Let me pray about it is a no. Anything other than yes is a no. I say that because as Jesus hung on the cross for you and me, died in your place, and extends the opportunity to be in intimate fellowship and relationship with him, anything other than yes, Lord, is no. Let me pray about it is a no. Let me think about it is a no. Let me, anything other than yes is no. And so I I invite you that you would receive, you would say yes to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for the direction that you give us. And Father, I pray um, as we just let these things soak in, as they marinate, as we worship you now. God, I pray you would continue to move in our midst by your spirit. Draw those that you should draw, Lord. Um, Convince, convict, rebuke, strengthen. Uh, Father, continue to have your way in our hearts and our lives. We give you this time now. We thank you again for your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
To find out more about us, visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.